It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad you're with us here. Of course, you can catch me every week the afternoon on ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, Cox Sports TV, and uh, right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. Little attrition to the LSU football roster. We'll talk about that. Some honors for Derek Stingley Jr. and Joe Burrow. And you'll hear from former LSU quarterback Rohan Davey. Uh, let's start with uh, Ed Ogeron, who met with the media Tuesday night after LSU's practice. And he did give some sort of disappointing news about a guy who has found his way onto the field a good bit for LSU here uh, in the past six weeks or so. Yeah, Justin Thomas is uh, has withdrawn from school uh, for personal reasons. Uh, hopefully he'll be back in the spring. I won't speculate as to what those personal reasons might be, but um, just when you look at what Justin Thomas has brought, on the stat sheet, it's not going to pop. I mean, you have to scroll down a good way before you get to Justin Thomas's name in the uh, you know, the, the the team tackles. He's got just eight tackles on the season, but he does have two tackles for loss and a sack. Now, he's played in five of LSU's eight games. Here's the thing. When early in the season, when LSU had the injuries against Texas, like we've talked about, they were – and Justin Thomas did not play week one against Georgia Southern and then did not play this last week against Auburn. But after the injuries to uh, Caleb Chasson and Michael Divinity – Rashard Lawrence you know, during that um, during that Texas game, it forced Dave Aranda, as we've talked about, to find depth on that defensive line because LSU went sort of the next month without being challenged, and they were able to mix and match personnel and find guys that that could fit certain roles. And so, Justin Thomas played a lot against Vanderbilt. Uh, he had a tackle for loss, had a sack. I played against Utah State, had another tackle for a loss, had four tackles in the ball game. Uh, did not record a statistic against Florida and also played against Mississippi State where he had one tackle. But what you saw Dave Aranda do with a guy like Thomas, who's 6'5", 256, right? So tall, long, lean, fast guy. When when he would go, when Aranda would go to that cheetah package and put their their fast uh, rushers on the field, you'd have Chass on and Justin Thomas and Divinity all on the field at the same time. Marcel Brooks became part of that package. You know, that was what Dave Aranda sort of developed in getting creative and finding ways to generate more pressure. So Justin Thomas, I don't think, was ever going to be a volume tackler on this fee- on this team or a guy that played 30 snaps a game. But could he give you, you know, eight snaps a game and, you know, situationally and try to generate some pressure? Yeah. And so it does, in that respect, limit you know, what Dave Aranda can do, or at least forces him to find someone else who can fill that role. And I guess the the positive thing is it sounds like that they'll try to get Justin Thomas back in the spring, but he's no longer enrolled in school right now. Uh, so there's no chance of him returning seemingly for the remainder of this semester, the remainder of this season. And uh, he could be back with the team. So that door is open. And LSU's got two weeks now to try to fill that role before uh, the the Alabama game. Uh, speaking of the Alabama game, uh, Ed Ogeron talked about this week and kind of uh, what they've been doing. Said they have done a, a good bit of looking at LSU. 
We had a big self-scout yesterday, and here's what we did. We had the offense self-scout the defense and the defense self-scout the offense. And that was Coach Aranda's idea, and he asked me about it on Sunday. I said, sure, go ahead. I'm going to recruit. Y'all go ahead and do it. And today they gave a report, and it was a phenomenal report. And we found out some things about both sides of the football that we think are going to help us. You know, I love that idea, and it's something I'm actually surprised doesn't happen a little bit more. And you know, I'll, I'll get if you're a, a football watcher, especially on Sundays, this might make sense. Think about if you've watched um, the CBS NFL broadcast with Tony Romo. Tony, he's kind of become notorious or famous for being able to predict what play is coming based on alignment and formation, and it wows audiences, but it makes sense intellectually, right? If that's a quarterback that's made his – his living for more than a decade knowing how to attack a certain defense in certain formations and what in certain personnel groupings you're looking at doing, it makes sense that he would know what's going to happen. Now, you talk to other former quarterbacks and they kind of roll their eyes because they're like, well, anybody could do that. The thing is on TV, Tony's just the one that does it. But the fact that other people who haven't made their living communicating on TV could still understand that suggests that that self-scout having your defense look at your offense and your offense look at your defense might expose certain uh, weaknesses or certain tells. So that is interesting in that respect. One more from Ed Ogeron, though, about the preparation for Bama. This is about LSU this week. Uh, we have not mentioned our opponent who we're playing next week. Uh, we're not going to show them film of our opponent at all. Now coaches are going to be preparing for them, obviously. Uh, tomorrow we'll practice some of their plays. But it's going to be more, more or less about LSU getting better in the fundamentals. And then really next Monday is when we're going to start preparing for our opponent with our team. Count down the days to Tigers and Tide in Tuscaloosa 1 versus 2. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. Rohan Davey uh, giving some uh, thoughts on the Auburn game and looking ahead to Alabama. And uh, also when we come back, some honors for both Derek Stingley Jr. and Joe Burrow. Put that in perspective next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. We continue here, Locked on LSU, your team every day. Matt Moscona, glad to have you with us. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast. That, as always, is a gigantic help. On uh, Tuesday, we learned uh, both Derek Stingley Jr. and Joe Burrow have been named semifinalists for national awards. Uh, Stingley is a semifinalist for the Bednarik, which goes annually to the uh, best defensive player in all of college football. It's a little odd because Stingley was not a semifinalist for the Thorpe which goes to the best defensive back. Now, Grant Delpit was on that list, and it makes sense that if you're if you're not going to include multiple players from a school, you're going to include the, the reigning All-American who's got a shot to win the award instead of the, the true freshman halfway through his first season. But Stingley's been spectacular. Uh, he has 22 tackles, 13 passes defended, which leads the SEC and is seventh in the country. And Stingley also has an interception in four of LSU's last five games. So, uh, and he leads the SEC in interceptions. Eventually, teams are going to realize, stop throwing at 24. But for now, he's reaping the rewards of that. So Derek Stingley Jr. named a um, 
a semifinalist for the Bednarik, which again goes to the National Player of the Year. It would seem like Chase Young from Ohio State at this point is a shoe-in to win that award. But for Stingley to even be a semifinalist at this point is spectacular because typically you need the season to develop your name to then win the national awards in the following season. That happened with Glenn Dorsey. That happened with Patrick Peterson. And it's likely going to happen this year with Grant Delpit, who I think has an awesome shot of winning the Thorpe Award, especially with the way he's played here in the last month or so. The uh, uh, the uh, the Bednarik, though, that presentation will happen uh, in March, but the winner will be announced uh, during the college football uh, ESPN College Football Award Show uh, on December the 12th. Now, Joe Burrow has also been named a semifinalist for the Maxwell Award, which goes annually to the best player in college football. So you've got the Maxwell and the Heisman, which are the, the two National Player of the Year awards. So it's, uh, in my guess, is whenever the Davey O'Brien list come out, which goes, of course, the best quarterback in college football, that you're, you'll see Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts and Tua all on that list. But uh, Joe Burrow is one of 20 semifinalists for the Maxwell Award, and at this pace, I think Joe Burrow is going to win a national award. That And that seems like, well, of course, Matt, but even if they lose in Tuscaloosa, I, I think it's very likely that you see Burrow win either the O'Brien for the best quarterback in college football or the Maxwell. T- typically, you don't see the same winner for the Heisman and the Maxwell and or the the uh, the O'Brien. So they they do share the wealth a bit. However, it it works out. I you know I expect that this pace Burrow is going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I do expect, as he is a semifinalist for the for the Maxwell, I think the same will be true for the Davy O'Brien, and he'll win some hardware this year. This year, as I expect, uh, Grant Delpit will as well. It might be more difficult for Derek Stingley being that he's a freshman. But the reason that this is significant is when you look in the history of LSU football, again, this is the 126th year of LSU football, the Tigers have had only 12 national award winners. That's it. Ken Cavanaugh won the Rockney Memorial Trophy in 1939. Billy Cannon, of course, won the Heisman in 1959. From 59 to 2001, LSU did not have a national award winner. Josh Reed won the Blitnikoff in 01. So from Billy Cannon's Heisman to Josh Reed in 01, LSU did not have a national award winner. Then, obviously, in this golden era of LSU football, you've seen more of them. Ben Wilkerson won the Remington for the, as the best center in college football in 2004. A Rudy Nicewanger won the Dratty Trophy and the Warfolk Trophy in 05. Jamarcus won the Manning Award in 06. Glenn Dorsey won everything in 07, the Lombardi, the Lot, the Nagurski, and the Outland. And then Patrick Peterson won the Bednarik and the Thorpe in 2010. Mo Claiborne won the Thorpe in 2011. Tyron Matthew won the Bednarik in 2011. And then Beckham won the Hornig Award in 2013. And then Devin White won the Butkus last year, becoming LSU's first Butkus Award winner and the first National Award winner since Odell in 2013. So there's a five-year gap there. But I do fully expect Delpit, and Burrow to win national awards this year. But a great honor for all three at this point to be named semifinalists for uh, their respective awards. And I do think LSU is going to collect quite a bit of hardware come uh, December with the award circuit. All right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. Glad you're hanging out with us here. Uh, One more quick break. We'll come back. You'll hear from former LSU quarterback Rohan Davey recapping Auburn and looking ahead to the Tide. 
It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, wrapping up another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Glad to have you hanging out with us here. Every week we have a chance to visit with former LSU Tiger Rohan Davey. Uh, Rose spent a full hour talking with us on After Further Review on Tuesday. If you missed that, go listen to the entire hour at 1045ESPN.com. I'll try to give you some of the highlights here. First, here's a couple of minutes of Rowe talking about what he liked offensively from LSU against Auburn on Saturday. I like the fact that we threw the ball – and, it, and some of the passes were extensions of runs. And I like the fact that um, Coach Ensminger and Joe Brady called a game that, utilize, that you knew the field was going to be a factor. And so they called a football game that really kind of utilized the big body of our receivers to get in front of these guys and not push the ball down the field early. Like, you know – it could have been easy for them to go into let's force it down the field, for, force it down the field. But they were very patient, man, and they put the ball in Joe's hand. I, li- I like the fact that Joe took everything underneath early and that he was playing sideline football early and forcing those guys to take the five-yard completions and come up, take the five-yard completions and keep coming up. So I like the fact that they did that early. The thing I, I didn't like was in – when we got close to the scoring zone, and I think it's similar to what I was talking about probably like a couple of weeks back, we actually talked about it. And it was, what do you do when you get in the red zone and the scheme's not working? As far as we not scoring touchdowns, we uh, settling for field goals, or we not getting close enough. And that is one of them times where I would like to see us go to more of a, let's call on uh, Sullivan, let's call on um, a player. Let's call on um, someone that you know has a matchup problem and let's attack that matchup similar to what Florida did to get with us with their big tight end against Kerry Vincent, against Mm -hmm. Stingley a couple times. Um, Use our big guys, and especially when when now you have teams that are playing us now where they're looking to push the Sam and the Will linebacker vertical right off the bat trying to take away – our intermediate passing game. So now, you know, you can use that big body Sullivan or whoever you deem the matchup for that week and use them more in the red zone. I saw sometimes when we tried to go to an angle and we just came off of it a little too early trying to attack the middle of the field where the linebackers are leaving and we came off of it a little bit early. But that's the only part about the game. I mean, I guess everybody was disappointed in the red zone, but I, I with these fast-paced uh, offenses like we running now, the red zone and once you get closer – always becomes a problem, especially against better teams. And this is the part, though, that most of you are probably going to be more interested in. This is Roe starting to give an appetizer on Alabama. I asked him why offensively for LSU this year might be different. You'll also hear him talk about Tua's injury and those Alabama receivers. But first, Roe talking about why LSU offensively might be different this year against Alabama? Well, I think 
from watching Alabama a few times, I've seen him this year, Matt, it's not the same Alabama front that I'm used to seeing from them. You don't you don't have an Alabama this year with a with a Brown, like from Auburn. Mm-hmm. You don't have that one dominant guy that you say, okay, like Coach Edge Ogeron said about Brown, we had to pay attention to him and know where he is. Now, they may have a bunch of guys that possess that pose problems, but it's not that one, in my opinion, it's not that one dominant guy up front that you got to say, okay, we got to take a look out for him like they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, Even last year, Quentin Williams. Correct. Yeah. It's no, well, he, he threw bodies around last year. Man. He was a problem. Yeah. He was a problem. And that's what I mean, a guy like him. But what I do see from them is they're fast. Their team defense and their team speed on defense is fast. Their linebackers are fast. They're inexperienced guys, but they're fast. Their secondary <clears throat> last year I thought was very suspect. I also think that they give up some things this year, but I think they're playing with a lot more confidence this year because they know the scheme a little bit better. I think Sertan's playing a little bit better than uh, everyone else in that secondary. But I think our offense matches up really good with them. I think that as long as we identify who's giving us problems on the line early in that game, whether it's 33, <clears throat> excuse me, whether it's if they bring Christian Harris outside and want to end up rushing him, whatever they, whatever Coach Saban's little trick is to the game, because he's going to have something, two or three somethings. So whatever we find that niche is for them and, 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 and isolate it and take care of it, whether it's chipping the ends, whether it's getting the ball, whatever, whatever we'll know early what, what we have to go to in order to counter whatever it is they're doing. And it's whoever makes that move quicker. You know, like last game with Coach um, Aranda, he didn't wait against Auburn to start bringing guys. He didn't wait until the second quarter. He waited until the second series. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing what I did against Florida. Florida, he waited until halftime. Yeah. And, and he, you know, and he, his patience is running out clearly. He gives those guys a chance to see if they could get home, and if they can't get home with just four guys or three guys rushing, he then, I mean, so man, Matt, the, that stunt with Divinity, where Divinity came looped all the way around and came from the other side while those guys were already engaged was something beautiful. You know what I mean? And that's the type of things that we're going to have to do if we can't get home against Alabama. Why is that hard as a quarterback specifically? Well, it's hard to see. Because once a guy is engaged, you figure, okay, especially after like a second when no one else moves, it just fools you mentally because it goes against everything that you're used to. Once those tackles or those guards get engaged, even for the running back, once they see him get engaged and that linebacker sitting there watching you, you don't see him looping around to the <laughs> two guys that's engaged and now the guard, the guard or tackle is supposed to come off. There's no way he could come off. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of it because if you do let him come off, then you're letting go somebody that's closer to the quarterback already. So it's damn if you do, damn if you don't kind of sort of. Do you think – does Alabama's defense look comparable to any defense that LSU's played already this year? Um, minus, minus 58 on for Florida – I would say probably Florida. I think they'll probably be the second best defense we face behind. Them and Florida are close. I think Auburn is clearly the best defense we've played this year. 
But I think if you take out 58 from um, Florida. Grenard, who was injured. Yeah. You take him out, then I think they're, that's, that's as close to me. Because Florida had a lot of team speed, and I think, I think uh, Bama has just the same amount of team speed, if not a little bit faster. Flip it around. What do you think about Tua's injury and how that impacts him? I think Tua plays. I think we all agree he plays. Yeah. I think what, what we need to find out is – You hurt your ankle in 01? Yeah. Against Florida? Yeah. Did you fool with that? Did, did you play with that all year? I did. Okay, so you had the high ankle sprain. Yeah. What? Uh, how does that limit you? It limits you in every way. It, it, that, that's why I say that. Even if he plays, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see. Can you last? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the first thing I'm doing. If I'm if I'm when I'm I'm trying to see how long can you last in this game. So that means I got to send him at you. I got to I got to hit you. I have to hit you. I have to hit you. And I'm not saying we got to dive at your ankle, do none of that. I know what you mean, but yeah. we got to hit you to see if you can hold up. And it's it, it impacts you in every way, mentally. Um, now, it depends on how severe and all that this is, because I don't know. All I do is hear what they've said and speculated. I don't know. Coach Saban could be lying about whatever. I don't know. But if it's a high angle sprain, such as they're saying, and the same thing that happened to him last year, it's going to impact him. Three weeks is not long enough. So he had a month last year from the SEC championship game to the playoff. It was 28 days. Mm-hmm. It was 28 days from SEC championship to the playoff game. And he threw for 300 yards and like four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he did, and, he did all right. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. Now, if now, None of that is going to affect them if we're not affecting him. <laughs> no, that you makes know sense. what I mean? Oh, I got you. And Oklahoma, that was against Oklahoma defense, which was miserable. They were right. terrible. So right. he, he just he chewed them up. And I'll be honest with you, man. It don't matter – if it's him, what's the other guy's name? Cameron? That's what's the backup's name? Mac Jones. Matt Jones. I was off like him. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt Jones. Mac M A C Mac. Mac Jones, right? It don't matter if it's him or Tua. Or if Cameron. We, they could play somebody named Cameron. He might be there too. Maybe. But if they don't get pressure on whoever it is, doesn't matter. Because in my opinion, there is no way you can give him more than three seconds with those receivers. There's no way you could give him more. And we have cover corners. We have two of the best corners in the country, in my opinion. We have a wonderful secondary, in my opinion. But no way you give those receivers and him three seconds to run around that secondary and to come open. Those guys are too skilled, too fast, and that's just too much time. So we're going to have to get home. It don't matter – if it's Mac, Cameron, or Tua. Again, there's a full hour of this conversation online at 1045ESPN.com. Click On Demand after further review under uh, October the 29th, and you'll see the interview with Rohan Davey, and you can go enjoy that entire conversation. And much more to come as we continue counting you down to LSU and Alabama one week from Saturday. Until then, it's Locked on LSU. Your team, it's Locked on LSU. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.